So I was born in a city called Aba. Aba is a city township in Abia State in the southeastern region in Nigeria. I was depressed, I was suicidal, all kinds of malarkey was going on at that point. Life is all about perspective. If you want to look at it as, oh, they didn't like me, so I'm now I'm, I'm going to go into the world low self-esteem, depressed because my family didn't want me, they rejected me. Or you can look at it from a totally different perspective. In a world that is full of malarkey, full of mediocrity, I want to be another. Because being an other gives you the opportunity for you to be your own blueprint and create your own shit. That's exactly what I'm doing. And I'm the perfect person for that. And I'm trying to incentivize more people. You know, if they don't want you, start your own. One. Welcome back, guys, to another episode. Today, we're going to be interviewing Uche. <laughs> Rough, tough, diving into the traumatic past learning about his LGBTQ lifestyle and how tough that was coming from Nigeria in a tough home with narcissistic parents. Uche, uh, I guess we can start way back when. What's the earliest memory you got? Uh, I have a lot of early memories. I've always believed that my earliest memory was when I was like three years old. I have this cousin. She was born in America, but... I think she, when she was a baby, her mom brought her back to Nigeria uh, because the mom had a lot going on. I think she was uh, in school then. So my grandma was raising both of us, and I think we were like two or three years apart. But I was about, two, I was about three years old back then, and that was my earliest memory as a kid, being with her. Where'd you grow up? So I was born in a city called Aba. Aba is a city township in Abia State, in the southeastern region in Nigeria. Um, Nigeria is predominantly Igbos, Yorubas, and Hausas. The Igbos in the southeast, I'm Igbo. The Yorubas in the west, the Hausas in the north. And then you have a bunch of other tribes or you know ethnic groups all around the country as well. But these are the, the main three. And uh, I was born in the eastern part. And what was it like growing up there? Oh, man. Aba is a whole different word, man. Usually when I tell people I'm from Nigeria, I always let them know that I'm from Aba, not Lagos or Abuja, because there's a difference, you know? Lagos sort of like, Lagos and Abuja are the bougie places. They're kind of, they were created to mimic the West, if that makes sense. You know, like certain parts of Lagos look kind of like you're in New York in a way. Uh, but Aba is not that. Aba is the hood, yeah. It's different. It's, it's a whole different world. Uh, and it was all I knew. As a kid, though, when I was in the single digits, I think my life was relatively okay for the most part. I was privileged. I didn't really realize that I was privileged as a child then. You know, I lived in a very comfortable home. Uh, my grandma took care of me. Uh, I lived with my grandma, my family. My, my grandma used to visit back and forth in America. She's actually a U.S. citizen. Uh, not that it's a big deal, but if you're from that part of a country, it sort of is a big deal in a way, you know. So the point is that I didn't like anything. You know what I mean? I went to good school, went to good private schools, Ungrateful. ate well, you know. So it wasn't as terrible per se. But the only thing that was always missing when I was a kid was the fact that I didn't live in my own family. That was always a problem for me personally. 
Um, because as I started growing, you know, four or five, six, seven years old, I was like, where's my mom? Where's my dad? You know, my brothers and sisters and things like that. And I would learn that they were in America and America is understood as a country where things are relatively better. You know what I mean? And I was just like, why don't I, why am I not there with them? If things are better, is something wrong with me? So, but my grandma was there. She was there to, um, make sure that I was okay to know that, Hey, your parents do want you. Um, it's just that things are just kind of complicated right now. And that was her way of explaining to uh, a seven-year-old about the immigration system. You know, I don't know anything about immigration system in America, how it is very tedious coming to America, and how could you explain that to a seven-year-old kid? You know what I mean? So, But she was very patient with me, and she made me feel like I was part of a family up until when I was nine years old, and things started changing. Yeah, I bet uh, you have a wonderful relationship with your grandma. She was one of the first ones that showed you love in a familial way when your parents and siblings weren't there for you. Um, my grandma, you, she's my first love. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. Do you think um, like not having your parents there like during that phase of your childhood affected you in any adverse ways? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in good and bad ways. Um because my parents weren't there when I was uh, in my formative years, they call it, I didn't have that bond, that typical child-parent relationship bond, you know. I didn't have that. If anything, I had that with my grandma. And um, as a result, when I lived, uh, when, when, I was, when I was nine years old, my mom visited Nigeria for the very first time. And I, was, I remember being so excited to meet her. And um, that didn't go well. Okay. Um, she was very miserable. <laughs> and I remember she didn't like me. She didn't like me too well. She had so many horrible, nasty things to say to me. And she blamed me for being the cause of her miserable life. And she was not happy with the marriage. And and uh, she was getting ready to leave my dad until she found out she was pregnant. And because she was pregnant, she was forced to stay in a marriage. And she was not happy about that. I was nine years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. But, um, and you know, that, that to me set the premise for something inside of me that told me I wasn't wanted, I wasn't loved. And then a year later, my dad moved back to America, moved back from America to Nigeria with my sisters that were born in America. And we were living together in Nigeria at the point, at that time. And because my mom had already set this precedence of, or at least this baseline of, we don't want you, you know. So I had low self-esteem. I felt like I was unwanted. I was the only kid that wasn't born in America, the only kid that didn't know my parents and they didn't know me. And I was the only boy. I was sent to a boarding school, which I hated at 10 years old. I was depressed. I was suicidal. All kinds of malarkey was going on at that point um, because I thought I was the problem. Now, I've come to realize that I wasn't the problem. I was actually perfect in my own way. The problem is more so my family's, my parents' marriage is something that shouldn't have been. Um, it's a forced marriage, arranged marriage. There's no real love, and both are miserable. And unfortunately, they say when two elephants fight, the grass suffer. And I just happened to be one of the grass or one of the grasses that suffered at the time. So, um, so that is the negative aspect of my lack of relationship with my parents. I had low self-esteem. But the positive aspect of not knowing my parents or not having that bond with them is that it gave me the opportunity to see them for who they are. You know, oftentimes we grow up in households where our parents 
have really horrible traits, qualities, and characteristics and things like that. And we overlook them because of the bond that we have with our parents. You know, like, oh, my mom is the best person ever, even though your mom is a total B-word or your dad is a total A-word. You know what I mean? You overlook it because that bond that you had with them when you were a child, you know, is so strong that you make excuses for them. And because I don't have that bond, I saw them for who they are, people who are broken and in pain and victims of their own pain and unfortunately infected me with that same pain as well. And because I also didn't have that bond with them, that was what made it easier for me to walk away to go do my own thing, you know? At first when I walked away, it was out of resentment and spite and things like that, bitterness and things like that. But I no longer have that resentment for them. I'm just doing my own thing now, you know what I mean? And I've come to grow, not pity, but empathy, like, because I see where it's coming from. And now I see from a bigger perspective that this is actually a lot more prevalent in Nigerian households. You know what I mean? For example, being LGBTQ, there's a lot of LGBTQ people in America, for example, who are very confident, doing their own thing, but they don't feel comfortable talking about their sexuality because they feel like they would disappoint their parents. So I don't have that problem. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I'm disappointing anyone. From the beginning, I've always, I've, I've always been the black sheep of the family anyway, so like kind of too late to not disappoint anyone anyway. So I'm just doing my own thing. And because I have the gift of logic, reasoning, being able to look at things from a total different perspective, I'm able to see a lot of the issues in Nigeria. You know what I mean? I have taken it upon myself to call it out because a lot of people don't, don't feel like they have the privilege to call it out because they're so attached to that culture, they're so attached to their family. There's a lot of things that people are attached to that I don't have that weight on my own shoulder. I am my own man. So when I see malarkey, I'll call it out. You know what I mean? So I've become very outspoken about the issues in Nigeria, very outspoken about the LGBTQ crisis, uh, or at least the lack of community and lack of self-acceptance by Africans who are LGBTQ, especially the ones in America, because we have the privilege Yet, a lot of people are still tied down because of that relationship that they have with their parents, which I don't have that problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, sort of like uh, life is all about perspective. If you want to look at it as, oh, they didn't like me, so I'm, I'm going to go into the world low, dep- low self-esteem, depressed because my family didn't want me, they rejected me. Or you can look at it from a totally different perspective. In a world that is full of malarkey, full of mediocrity, I want to be another because being an other gives you the opportunity for you to be your own blueprint and create your own shit. That's exactly what I'm doing. And I'm the perfect per- person for that. And I'm trying to incentivize more people. You know, if they don't want you, start your own. And live your life the most authentic and truest form ever. Very well said. Thank you. So can you talk to us a little about growing up as a gay guy in Nigeria? And when did you know and when did you have the courage to come out? <laughs> and how did your family treat you? It's really interesting. Everyone always asks, when did you know? When did you know? Let me ask you this, Jacob. You're a straight man, heterosexual. Yeah. Okay. When did you know? Oh, I kept getting boners every time I woke up in the morning. There you go. I kept getting boners every time I woke up in the morning. Yeah. You just see the girl or you see the guy, right? And you're just attracted. Same shit. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it was never, it was never, I'm sure every gay man or lesbian gets this or bisexual gets this all the time. It was not like I woke up on Sunday and I'm like, huh, you know what? I'm going to piss people off by being attracted to my own gender. No, that's not how it works. It just, it just is a thing. It just, the same way you don't remember learning how to speak, 
let's say when you don't learn, remember learning how to walk, you just don't remember the day that you found a man attractive. Some people do. Some people have that kind of memory. But it was, it was very, it was. I don't want to say I don't want to say it was tough, per se, because that that would not necessarily be the entire truth. I had other issues that I was dealing with as a kid in Nigeria. Low self-esteem, depression, anxiety, all kinds of nonsense. I didn't even have time to explore myself, you know, because I was constantly being around people, um, my parents, i.e., who I had to look up to to find myself, and they made me hate myself, you know, because I just wasn't good enough for them, my mothers especially, um, uh, so I didn't really have time to explore much, and I moved to America when I was 15. You know, I know a lot of people, especially in the West, a lot of kids get more active before 15. I really, I wasn't checking for that, to be honest with you. Um, so it wasn't really spoken about. I just knew I was different, but not just sexuality-wise. Uh, you know, I just, in general, I just knew I was different, and that's not my ego speaking. It's just, I just stood out without even trying in so many different ways. So I never really fit in when I was a kid in Nigeria. And you kind of know me now, you know. I'm very particular. I'm very order and order-oriented. Order I like my things a certain type of way. And I don't answer to anyone. I do my thing the way I please. You know what I mean? I'll be there if I, will, if I want to be there and things like that. Nigeria doesn't give you that liberty. So for me, I felt like a lot of my individuality, my own uniqueness, as not just as Uche, but as an entity occupying space and time, was never fostered. It was never catered to. And I felt like there was no one like me. I wish I had someone. I wish I had someone who can give me the role model, show me the ropes, and I can emulate. I didn't have that. So a lot of my childhood was filled with anxiety and uh, brokenness, if that makes sense. Did you look up to your father in any way? Yeah. Oh, God, no. My father, um, not to be bitter or resentful, I think my parents are failures, in my opinion. When you have children who resent you, um, and because you know that you could have done better, but you didn't do better, there's nothing. There's no pride in that. So, no, I never wanted to be like my father. I, it's sad to admit now, but I saw my parents as losers when I was a kid. You know, I just, they, they, even as a kid, I just logically, like, this is not who I want to be. I do not want to have a relationship with my child where I am just the authority figure who doesn't, who who conversation with is just one way. You don't see your children. You don't get to know them. You don't give them the opportunity for them to thrive as the individuals that they are. You know what I mean? Certain things happened in my household that were like, yeah, no, nah, mm-mm. This is not who I want to emulate. This is not the rubric. It's not it. So what would your mom do to you specifically where you didn't feel like you had any self-worth and you always had to, like, look out to make her look best? So my story is a little complicated in the sense that I never really grew up with my mom, per se. So like I was saying, when I was nine years old, she visited Nigeria for the first time. She had finally gotten her green card, and uh, it was supposed to be a two-week visit. She was visiting with two of my sisters. That went horrible. Um, she clowned me. Uh, that was bad. And then after two weeks, she moved back to America. And then a year later, my dad took all four of my sisters back into Nigeria. Back to Nigeria. That was in 2002. Um, and my mom was still living in America at the time. Uh, so she'd come visit back and forth. And so the way my dad brought my sisters to 
Nigeria. It's almost like she he kidnapped them in a way. He tricked them and told them like, "Hey, we're going to Nigeria to go see Uche because Uche is sick." And he wow, took, yeah, I know, sad. The direct manipulation in yep. your family. Yeah. Yep. One of my sisters wrote about it. Actually, she has a whole letter about it. He manipulated them and brought them to Nigeria, and they got stuck. Um, and their passports expired, and you know it was a huge deal. They were fighting over that, and the sisters, I still have memories of my sisters making a big deal out of going back to Los Angeles, and my dad just didn't give a, give a rat's ass, you know, for the most part. My mom was livid, you know, understandably, you know, because she, this is not part of what she wanted. She thought they were just going to Nigeria for a quick vacation, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. now the kids are stuck. Um, and she had her green card at the time, and she was in school, so she had to come back to America. So she'd come back and forth, back and forth. Now, the relationship, the marriage is already poor. You know, all kinds of nonsense happened back in Nigeria. According to my dad, the marriage is hell, hence why he wanted to move back to Nigeria away from my mom. So, understandably, the marriage was hell. But, of course, these kids are her kids as well. So she'd come visit, and every time she came to visit, that visit exacerbated the hell in the family, you know. So it was always all kinds of fights. There was always all kinds of... um, um, it was just the tension it was just foul just a very foul energy if that makes sense so because i don't know my mom you know like up until the, the nine years old was when i saw her for the first time and then at 10 years old she's now visiting back and forth and every time she came she always brought heat it just gave me a really nasty taste of who, who she is i saw her as a monster like uh someone who was intolerable you know insufferable intolerable and just obnoxious to be around why do you think she is the way that she is besides the marriage did she have a rough childhood was there anything traumatizing in her life i think that she had a rough childhood herself i think she is also a victim of a narcissistic parenting i think that um her own mother she was a scapegoat for her narcissistic mother um Mm. who was my first love by the way um, but I, wow. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I was shielded from that. I didn't realize that until therapy. I've come to realize, like, you start to see the the pattern. I'm like, okay, um, I think my mother was the daughter that was most resemblance to my grandma, and by default, she was going to be a challenge for my grandma. And there can only be one queen. Remember, you know, and the whole narcissistic thing is all about me. So because this one has the power you know, in the relationship, you try to subdue the other one. So I think my mother was um, the scapegoat. And I think also part of it is because she was a girl. If she was a boy, I think my grandma would have liked her a lot more. Um, because, yeah, unfortunately, patriarchy is so strong in Nigeria. And a boy who was as assertive and direct and, you know, things like that, that is a narcissistic mother's pride, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think that... Mm. That that's how she was raised, and there was no genuine wow. love that she had in her family. And you grow up, and you bring that to the table as well. That's pretty incredible. You recognized all these things, and like reflected on yourself, and grew to a point where you now have developed an incredible amount of self worth, self worth, and um, like wisdom. And you're willing to go out and like help other people. Like that's some awesome stuff, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. So, yeah, like I, like I was saying earlier, it's, life is all about perspective. You know, I could talk about that ego that we, we talked about in the past. You know, it whispers things in your ear. Your mom said you're not good enough. Your dad said you're not good enough. And if you choose to stay in that broken place, you don't pull into your most 
authentic potential, if that makes sense. But when when you become when you start looking at things from a different perspective, you come to realize to whom much is given, much is expected. God lets you go through this experience for a reason. Harness power and strength from it. There's a reason. And God has entrusted you with these experiences because God knows that you're smart enough to know what to do with it, not get to work. So I've chosen to see things from a totally different perspective. Until today, I don't have any type of hatred towards my parents at all. They've done their job. You know what I mean? Like, it's unfortunate that it had to be like that. But had my parents loved me, had they showed me interest, had they done anything different, I wouldn't be here. Like, literally, another child would have been born, a child that can only handle that dynamic. I am the perfect person to handle that dynamic. So I have them to thank in a way, you know, like for me to be here. But they still need to be held accountable for not operating at the maximum of who they need to operate as human beings, as as parents, as mothers, as fathers, and so on and so forth. So now I see a bigger picture and I see how much how troubling, how deeply troubling and how prevalent it is within our culture, you know. Um, and also being American and being Nigerian, best of both worlds, I see the issues in the typical American dynamic. I see the issues in the typical Nigerian dynamic, and I see where I can come in. And being someone who's very hungry for knowledge, you know, with my studies and things like that, I see a much d- deeper, a, a deeper sense. I see a much bigger picture. And if this is what God has brought me to this world to do, so be it. Let's go. What do I have to lose? If anything, actually, I'd rather die. Um, if I can't do this and do it the way I'm doing it, as passionately as, as passionately as I'm doing it, I'd rather die. Because this is me. And that's exactly what I'm meant to do. That's powerful. Thank you. Going back to answer your question, though. Um, so all those times that she used to visit, it was all about her. It was very, it just left a really nasty taste in my mouth about her. And then eventually when I moved to America, it just continued. And, you know, having low self-esteem, I always felt like I had to keep sucking up to her, you know, in order to be at peace with that, um, that queen, if that makes sense. Have you forgiven her? Yeah, to a certain extent. And I'll get to that in a, in a bit. Um, there is... It's a different feeling when your friends don't like you or your classmates or coworkers don't like you. It's even a different feeling when your 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 siblings don't like you. But when your mother doesn't like you, that shit hurts. It hurts. It comes from a deep it, it, it hurts like a chunk of your soul is is bruised. And for years I was doing the absolute most. I was dumbing myself down. Um, because I recognize what it is. She had to shine. I had to dim myself down for her to shine. Um, and I, I, I dimmed myself down, dumbed myself down so I can put this woman on a pedestal because I thought that that's how I can finally find that mother's validation and worth until I realized that the more I kept doing that, the more I was losing myself. I wasted so much money, so much time, so much effort, so much of my being just to get scraps back. And then I, I cut it all off. I cut it all off in 2013 when I walked away from her apartment in Chicago. And I haven't seen her since then. You know, I've been doing my own thing, working on myself, joined the military, you know, finished my master's and, you know, travel the world, dating around, going to therapy and things like that. And now I see a bigger picture and it comes from a place of empathy like I see now. So to answer your question, yes, I don't hold I have forgiven her in the sense that she did 
what she um she is a victim of the same thing that i'm a victim of yes i get it i feel that empathy but at the same time too i still hold her accountable because my mother is somebody who is lacks accountability she doesn't like accountability and she doesn't know how to hold herself accountable um and she is intentionally keeping herself in the same broken state matter of fact i was um meeting up with some of my sisters uh two weeks ago when i was in california and one of my sisters she said she described our mother as mom is irredeemable yes yes that's what she said mom do you agree Unfortunately, I want to say yes, but, you know, miracles do happen. You know, I'm not God. Anything can happen. Something can trigger her. Right? As long as you're alive, um, change can happen at any time. And she also said, mom is a different type of evil. Different type of evil. Not just evil, but it's different. She's very covert with it. It's different. You know, so... It's sad, and they cut her off as well. You know, my sisters, two of them, cut her off. And Do your parents still have a relationship? Oh, God, no. That's been long. So who long. does your mom have? One of my sisters, um, who pretends that her mother is the best thing since sliced bread. Is she the oldest? She is the oldest girl. I'm the oldest child. But um, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, I think that my mother fulfills a part in her life. And she fulfills a part of my mother's life, but I don't think their relationship is as genuine as she pretends it is. Um, but yeah, I get it. I, I, I understand it. Um, my mother, that is my mother's golden child, by the way. Um, narcissists have golden children. They, I don't know if you're familiar. Narcissists have three sets of children, the golden child, the neutral children, and the scapegoat children. So I'm the, I'm the scapegoat, which is usually the kid that is too much of a challenge for the narcissistic parent or makes the narcissistic parent look the least um, popping, if that makes sense. And then the golden child is usually the kid that is most malleable, um, most uh, shiny, the trophy kid, you know, the golden child that I, the, the narcissistic parent can give, come, come out and be like, oh, this is my child, the best, because it makes them look good. Exactly. And yeah. then the neutral ones are the twins, are my sisters, they're twins. Um, they're the ones that they don't get that much hate. They also don't get that much love. They're just there. And then I have a half brother. So, yeah. Do you want to get into uh, your transition when you moved to the U.S.? Um, talk about that. Hey guys, Nigeria. thank you so much for sticking with me to the end of today's episode, where I talked about my life in Nigeria, having to navigate through toxic family dynamics, toxic parents, especially toxic mother. If you enjoyed listening to my story about how I started, you know, my humble beginnings all the way in Nigeria before I moved to America, before I became the confident, independent, outspoken Uche, talking about all the things that I talk about on the internet unapologetically, just know that this is only part one. I have part two coming soon. In part two, I'm going to be breaking down my transition from Nigeria all the way to America at the age of 15. And like I've mentioned before, in the past, I am 30 years old today. So which means that I've literally lived half of my life here in America. And in 30 years, a lot has happened, obviously. And if you knew me back in Nigeria, you could definitely attest to the fact that a lot of things about me have definitely changed. And that's because I've come a long way, a really, really, really long way. And like I mentioned in the episode where I talked about Jeanette McCurdy's book, 
I am glad my mother died. I am currently writing a book. I have been writing this book since this year. I don't know when I'll be done with the book, maybe in a year, maybe in two years, maybe in five years. But like I mentioned on that episode, this book is going to be as detailed and articulate as possible. I'm going to be pouring out my heart, my body, and my soul in that book. Like literally everything from my earliest memory as a child up until, I don't know, now, up until when I am done with the book. So please follow me on all my platforms so you will be notified when I release the second episode so that you'll be notified instantly when I release the part two to my story, Moving to America. And also when I release my book, you definitely be notified right away. And if you're listening to me on YouTube for the first time, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. Give me a thumbs up. Do not forget to hit that bell notification so anytime I upload a video, you'll be the very first to be notified. Please feel free to follow me on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok at LTAU with Uche. My Instagram is UC underscore images. If you have any questions uh, regarding everything that I've shared so far, please comment down below or you can send me a direct email at letstalkwithuche at gmail.com and I'll try my best to answer every question as detailed as possible. Thank you so much for your wonderful support. Until next episode, peace out.